Welcome to another edition of the Membership World Podcast. My name is Gordon Glenister. Uh, this episode is kindly sponsored by RD Mobile, who are leaders in online event management platforms. Now, in this podcast series, you will hear me interview all sorts of people from the world of membership bodies and trade associations. But before we start, please don't forget to subscribe to this podcast series just to make sure that you don't miss a future episode. Now, in today's edition, I'm talking with speaking industry guru Maria Franzoni, who ran her own speaker bureau for many years and now runs her own program for professional speakers. So I started by asking her a little bit about what she's been up to right now. I suppose the relevant piece of my background is the time I've spent in the speaking industry because I also had several careers before that. I'm not very young, I'm afraid. So I spent 23 years in the speaking industry working in speaker bureaus for the last 14 of those years I actually ran my own speaker bureau and they were genuinely international we worked with speakers from all over the world with clients from over the world with some very big names my little black book is fantastic and I got to work with the most incredible clients and incredible speakers so very privileged and now I'm actually training speakers and helping them to grow their speaking businesses helping them to get more bookings and charge higher fees excellent so I guess the most important question probably is, you know, when deciding, you know, what speaker to go for as an organiser, an event organiser, what would you best advise? Your knee-jerk reaction is to obviously come up with a theme, which absolutely you should do, and hopefully an objective, and you've got your audience in mind. But the knee-jerk reaction is to always start coming up with names. And I ask you and challenge you not to do that, because in doing that, you could take yourself down the wrong route. And what you're also doing is you've probably got a limited number of names that you know, unless you are working with speakers day in, day out. So don't do that. So what I recommend, and this actually came from when I started in the industry, I started working at um, CSA Celebrity Speakers and Alex Crywold trained me. He was the founder, genius, no longer with us, but absolute genius in the business. And he always said, whatever the topic is, rather than coming up with names, think about who would be best to actually deal with that topic. What background, what profile would be best so that you think outside the box? So let's take an example. So maybe you've got a topic of, you know, thinking under pressure or making decisions under pressure. And if you're trying to think of names, you're probably quite limited. But if you then go outside the box and say, well, who has to think under pressure on a regular basis? A bomb disposal expert, a hostage negotiator, an athlete defending their title, a psychologist, a surgeon, a mindset expert. You can go on and on and on and expand that and you have so much fun then you probably be a bit more creative about who you choose and you've got more flexibility. I love that. That's really good. Yeah, sort of a hostage negotiator. Why would you not want to have somebody like that? I mean, yes, it's still negotiation, but uh, the storytelling behind that would be absolutely fascinating, wouldn't it? But how much lead time? Because I'm guessing some of these big uh, speakers are very popular and, and booked out quite a lot of the time. How much lead time do you reckon an organiser should be thinking about? So the longer you give in terms of lead time, the better choice you're going to have. And actually, in many cases, you can probably negotiate a bit better because if you can imagine if you reach out to a speaker or if you do it via a speaker bureau and that speaker in six months time hasn't got anything in the diary, they're probably quite keen to put something in the diary. Whereas if it's like in the next three or four weeks, they're probably won't have so much space and may not be as flexible on fees and things, for example. So I would say the longer lead time you can give, 
the better choice you will have because people are more likely to be available and they're also more likely to sort of think about, well, actually, I haven't got anything in the diary. I'll probably accept that. A lot of my clients who had an annual conference, literally as soon as they finished the conference, they have a rest, they have a holiday because they're always exhausted. And then they start planning the next one straight away. And they even start advertising it straight away. Some of them book the speaker before the conference so they can advertise next year's speaker at the actual conference. You don't have to go crazy like that. But if you can give it a few months, you're more likely to have more choice. But how do you know that you've got a good one? You know, I've been a conference organiser and booked speakers many times over the years. And a lot of it is by word of mouth and reputation. I often find that one person knows somebody else and that person knows somebody else. But um, I I guess, how do you know they're really going to deliver, particularly if they're charging a fair amount of money? Yeah, and that's the $64,000 or is it $64 million? It's a big question, right? How do you know if you've never booked this person before? I think you need to do some homework so that you can stack the odds in your favour. And in terms of doing homework, I would get testimonials, obviously, but actually ask to speak to a previous client if you're spending a lot of money. Why not? Ask to speak to a previous booker. Use a bureau because a bureau, I don't know if you're aware, bureaus don't actually pay the speakers before they've spoken. So that if something happens that the speaker gets ill, they will guarantee to replace that speaker. If the speaker doesn't do a good job, you've actually got some kind of opportunity of either getting some money back, although, of course, by then, that's not what you want. It's not a scenario that you want. But most speaker bureaus won't put a speaker in unless they know they're going to do a great job because, and they'll match them very carefully, because their reputation is based on the last gig that they've done. Absolutely. Not just the speaker, but the bureau as well. Absolutely. The bureau as well. And the speaker you know, will be reluctant to accept a gig from a bureau that they work with a lot if it's not right as well, because they will ruin their chances. So testimonials, speak to previous bookers, use a bureau, watch videos, watch videos and brief them very, very carefully. Mm. I mean, it's interesting, although not necessarily a speaker, I've seen people absolutely die on stage. And admittedly, they were somewhat in the entertainment industry, but there was a real mismatch with the audience and the act of the entertainment was just so not right at all. And yet in their own sphere, they were hugely successful. Do you know what I mean? I've actually witnessed a comedian, it wasn't one that I had booked, I have to say, who did exactly that at an event and he stopped doing corporates. I won't mention names, but he stopped doing corporates after that. And you're absolutely right. It's that matching. You've got to think it's not who you like as the booker. It's who your audience will appreciate always everything's always about the audience no i totally agree with you because in this particular instance i'm sure this comedian for example is very very popular with the people that want to go and see him and have paid but of course what they will have done at this awards evening is paid to see the awards and have some form of entertainment but of course in that audience you've not necessarily got your immediate fan base uh, so getting that message right or that communication uh, is is so important and also the length of the presentation time is a big thing isn't it now i wondered you know if that's changed over the years has it got shorter and punchier or what it has got shorter and i think the ted talks have had an enormous influence on that and a lot of clients um when i was running my bureau would say oh, we want a ted star talk we want a 15 minute 20 minute They're actually harder for a speaker to deliver than the longer speeches because it's often harder to know what to take out. And when you have more time, it's a lot easier to ensure that you've got all your messaging in there. So sometimes clients are surprised when, you know, if they say, well, it's only 15 minutes, it should be cheaper. 
actually, more often than not, it's much harder preparation for a speaker to reduce it down, make it impactful. Again, you know, somebody spending, let's just say, £10,000 on a speaker, which is a reasonable amount of investment, what extra value can they get from that speaker? So there's lots of things you can do uh, with a speaker, but you need to agree all up front. So you can't sort of add things on after you've done the contract and agreed the fee. So you need to check that they're open to doing different things for you. So you could ask them maybe to do a video clip for you on their iPhone or on, I mean, everybody's good at virtual now, or certainly the professionally paid speakers getting 10 grand should be, right? So you could ask them to do a little video clip, which will allow you to then share it on your social media, on your website, that would help. I mean, the obvious things is to add things like Q&A, which if it's a keynote, you might not want to add it immediately after so you might add it at a different time so you don't lose the impact or you might ask them to do a panel because they're there anyway. But as I said, ask them to do it beforehand because if, if you do it afterwards, they might have arranged their travel, they might have arranged different things, they might have accepted a different gig. They might want to charge you more if you add it on. Discounts on books, always, you know, if somebody's speaking, ask them, can they throw in some books for your VIPs? Will they dedicate them? Can they give you something as a follow-up that they can share with your audience afterwards so that you get some extra value? So there's, there's lots of things that you can do, but always, always agree them up front and make it part of the contract. And presumably, do you provide help and assistance with people that perhaps haven't had contracts before? I guess that's all part of what you do as a bureau because the contract is with you, isn't it? And then you contract the speaker. Well, first of all, please be clear that I don't run my bureau anymore. I close my bureau. You know, but a bureau handles all the contracting. And that's another reason to use a bureau. A bureau will save you so much time. They'll handle all the contract. They'll do the negotiation. They'll check any technical requirements or any riders, which a lot of comedians and entertainers have quite complicated riders. So they'll make sure that that's all clear up front before it's signed off. So, yeah, the bureau will take a lot of the um, legwork out because it's incredibly time consuming. Mm. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, and so what sort of information will help your speaker sort of get it right for your event? So probably the most important information is about that audience. You know, who are they? What's going on for them? What does that client want them to be feeling or thinking or doing as a result of the speaker being there you know what does success look like so they're totally clear what's worked well in the past for them for that audience so that they know what works what hasn't worked well what don't they like what should they avoid so as much information as you can give in terms of how they can be successful and where the audience are at you know it's really vital to know if you're going to go on as a, a motivational speaker to know that perhaps half the audience are going to be fired or let go in the next couple of months because you need to know that that's where they're at. Or if they've had a fantastic year and they're celebrating, you need to understand or they've been a team and it's been struggling because they've all been working remotely for two years and they haven't seen each other. So as much information that you can give as to where are they going to be in their heads when they arrive? It really helps. Also, I was just going to ask you about sort of time that they might go in. Let's just say, for example, an awards evening. If things are running late or the speaker is coming on later in the evening, you could find, shall I say, the relaxed atmosphere is, is far greater. A classic after-dinner speaker I was actually almost referring to. How does that work in an environment where the audience are talking and... Awards events are really hard. They are, aren't they? You know, I, I mean, I once went to one awards and it was 52 awards in one evening. The best awards hosts are the ones that can really get that pace going really fast and get it through. And then they do the comedy in between if they're comedians and they make it a really fun night. And 
and, and there's not that many that are really excellent at it, but those that really excel know how to keep that pace because you have to, if it's drawn out, it's like, oh my goodness. So with regards to timing, it's that matching thing. Many speakers don't work well after dinner. It's not the right slot. Some content won't work well after dinner. And there were many times when I ran my bureau that clients wanted a business speech shorter business speech, but they wanted it at dinner. And I always said to them, listen, there's no problem you doing that, but don't do it after dinner. When people have had some food, they've had some wine, they don't really want to listen to a business speech. Do it before dinner or do it between the starter and the main. And you can always do Q&A at the end if you want to do that, if you want to have that speaker stay. The other thing is don't expect a speaker to sit through dinner and then speak after dinner because they can't really have a relaxed conversation they can't give their material away. So it's a very stilted and difficult conversation to have. So I would always say, you know, have the speaker come in after. There are a few exceptions. There are a few exceptions who literally write the speech based on the conversation they have at the table. Ken Livingston does that. You could see him with his napkin making notes and then he'll deliver a speech and it's so perfect for that audience. It's a huge, enormous skill. Yeah. Skill. I just talking back to comedians once I sat on the top table at the time I was the director general of a trade association I thought what a lovely guy and uh, I knew he was the compare but thought nothing of it and of course thou shalt never sit next to the uh, compare comedian ever again because it just plays to what you've just said you know I appeared in his speech to somewhat ridicule at times and of course the audience fell about laughing it was it was it was quite it was quite funny actually like looking back and that's good he did a good job yeah yeah no he did he really did um, I mean are there any sort of speakers um, that have really stood out I mean you've worked with some amazing people that you've said that have really had maybe standing ovations or had had people emotionally affected tear-jerking ones you know what what are the sort of standout speakers that you can recall i hate this question because i get into so much trouble i've worked with so many speakers and all of them are brilliant because they tailor are you really going to put me on the spot and ask me who's moved me emotionally you are aren't you i'm absolutely going to do that because i want to okay i wish you'd prepared me for this okay let me give you two or three let me give you two or three so one who's no longer with us and was my favorite speaker of all time actually and i'm allowed to say that because he's no longer with us and that was neil armstrong he absolutely was incredible and the reason neil was incredible he took on very few speeches and he spent a crazy amount of time preparing. Every single speech was totally and utterly unique, totally tailored. And because he was super, super bright, super intelligent, they were brilliant. And he didn't talk about the moon landing, which people would be surprised at. Fabulous speaker. And he took his time to stay at the end and shake everybody's hand and have photos with them. So that was phenomenal and phenomenally generous. So he was one. One that moved me to tears, and the reason I remember this specifically is because I actually went to the client event, and I'd seen him speak before, but I was ended up sitting with my client next to her, and we were both bawling our eyes out, so it was incredibly embarrassing. And that was Mark Pollock. I don't know if you know him. So Mark Pollock, a happy young man, everything to live for, bit of an athlete, and in his early 20s, lost his eyesight. Not deterred, he became an explorer, he was still an athlete. And then not that long ago, he was at an event with some friends, he decided to go home, I think it was Henley, actually, and 
he was going from the bedroom to the bathroom and he was feeling along the wall. It was in the summer, getting to the bathroom and the window was open and he fell through and he ended up paralysed from the chest down. So this sort of really changes your life completely. And he's one of the most incredible, phenomenal people, absolutely phenomenal, really motivational. His story's incredible, not bitter, not a victim, just inspirational, had us in tears. His story is beautiful. And uh, he's now using bionic legs. And, and I, I don't think they're called that, but you know, these legs that you attach. I know. So, so does that, how does he come on stage then? He, he Well, sometimes he'll come on using the legs. A lot of the time he'll come on in his wheelchair. He's another one. And then let's do a happy one, right? I think we need to end on a happy one. Somebody who always makes me absolutely cry with laughter. I've seen him so many times. I will never be bored of hearing his stories. He's a complete lunatic and I love him. And that's Serrano Fines. Oh, really? Wow. Hilarious. His stories are phenomenal. That He relates them beautifully to business. But he personally has just got funny bones. Right. That's good to hear. That's good to hear, isn't it? Yeah. Well, I mean, the reason I ask you those because you've worked with so many interesting people. And I think if you're an event organiser is what what makes an interesting speaker. You you are often if you've got a great speaker, it's it's actually it will help people bring people to your event sometimes, won't it? More often than not, it, it, it the calibre of the speaker, I think, sets the tone of the conference or the awards or or the the actual event more than anything else. I guess the only other thing I wanted to ask you to to finish with is is who who motivates you and you know I've somewhat involved in the influencer space as well who's had a big impact on your life Oh my goodness these are big questions who motivates me now it's actually the people that I'm working with I find them incredible really highly motivated they're really keen to succeed they're like sponges absorbing information and they just go out and do it and go out and, and get it done and I find that incredibly motivated so I actually get more motivated by the people that I'm working with and my team are incredibly motivational very supportive and it's ended up being a team of females so my team Mary and Sean and Audrey phenomenally motivational so it's not really an external one but I do enjoy listening to speeches of course I'm getting a lot of actually um, you'll find this too a lot of my guests on podcasts are very good to motivate me I did two recordings this week for Speakers Associates one of the speaker bureaus I host their podcast and both of the speakers were just phenomenal I was like whoa all day I was on fire so they were great. <laughs> well, you're well. You're Bill. I mean, you're a people person, aren't you? You you get your energy um, as much from other people as much as anything else. And I, I I hear you totally. I mean, I we were just talking before we recorded this this podcast about. Uh, what what it's like to work with people on a one-to-one basis and it's such a great experience isn't it when you see and particularly when you think that you've impacted them in some way um by by what you're saying and what you've done and, and everything else so uh, well i have to say it's been an absolute pleasure as i expected it would be um to talk to you today maria and uh, all the best with your uh, speaker program how can people find out about you well, they can connect with me on LinkedIn. I am Maria Franzoni there or on Facebook. And also have my website is mariafranzoni.me. This podcast is sponsored by RD Mobile, providing events and member engagement solutions used by organizations worldwide. RD Mobile can help your organization deliver value at your next virtual or in-person event and throughout the year. Visit us at rdmobile.com to learn more.
That's it for another edition of Membership World. Uh, don't forget to subscribe to the show and give me your feedback. Hello at membershipworld.co.uk or you can follow me on LinkedIn, Instagram or Twitter. We can also ask me a question. And lastly, if you do feel like it, please give us a five star rating as this helps the show enormously. Thanks as always to my producer, Neil Whiteside from Freedom One. And until next time, from me, Gordon Glenister, it's bye for now. <laughs>